Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We've got lots of interviews from the NFL owners meetings in Orlando. We had breakfast with Bucks coach Dirk Cutter. He talked about his frustration with the NFL's probe into Jameis Winston. Also plans for the offensive line and how they plan to also take advantage of a strong running back class in the draft and what Vernon Hargraves needs to do to bounce back. And I'll play part of my exclusive interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. We talked about Winston and his denials to the allegation. And I asked him, do you believe Winston? All that and more on today's edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. But before we get started... I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So we started early at the NFL owners' meetings on in Orlando on Tuesday as all the NFL coaches, they used to split this up, but they actually had both the NFC and the AFC coaches together. And, of course, I spent most of my time with Bucks coach Dirk Cutter, who had a, a pretty large contingent around him. And we had a chance for the first time to actually talk to Dirk about what they've done in the offseason. They've made a bunch of moves, as we know, especially through free agency, rebuilt the defensive line with Bo Allen and Mitch Unrein, and then also two guys that weren't on their free agent list because, frankly, they weren't available at the time. They wound up getting defensive ends Vinnie Curry and also Jason Pierre-Paul in the trade that they made with the New York Giants. So, obviously, the, the intention was to rebuild the defensive line. They were last in the league in sacks with 22 last year. And I think that in talking to Dirk Cutter, he was pretty pleased with the effort that Jason Light has had in the offseason in acquiring all these players. You know, the thing about about the changes is, uh, so obviously you know some guys going in that, that Jason and that his staff had targeted, and so we had, we had studied those guys on tape. We knew they were going to be UFAs and guys that, that we really, uh, we all knew that we were going to make an effort to, to to try to get to come to Tampa. Then you have a group of guys that, you know, there's some surprises. Like, you know, you didn't know Vinnie Curry is going to get released. And then, uh, you know, the JPP trade kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I think Jason has explained all, the, all that. But, you know, we needed to, to make some changes on the defensive line. And obviously we, we did a good job of that. And we wanted to, to uh, make a, some kind of an addition on the offensive line. There wasn't, this wasn't a, a huge year, in my opinion, of, of great options on the offensive line. And uh, so, obviously, we felt like we we got one of our targeted guys there in, in Ryan Jensen. So, you know, with the two ends, the two inside guys, uh, and then, of course, the kicker, uh, Chandler, you know, we're, we feel like we 
gave ourselves a lot more flexibility going into the draft. So in addition to the defensive line, of course, the Bucks made some changes and some big ones on the offensive line that are still to come. But it started with getting Ravens center Ryan Jensen, which meant that Ali Marpet was going to have to find a new position since he played center last year. He moves back to guard. We talked to Dirk Cutter about just what guard position he had in mind and about another player that no one had counted on is going to play opposite Ali Marpet at the other guard spot. Uh, it's probably a little bit early to say that right now because of the, you know, JR's health situation. And, uh, you know, the wild card in that is Caleb Beninock. You know, the Caleb, uh, we've invested a couple years in Caleb right now, and Caleb's played a lot of different positions on the offensive line. He's basically <clears throat> played every place but center at one time or another. And so, and then with also the flexibility, uh, with the flexibility of bringing uh, uh, Idaho State, Evan Smith, my alma mater, we're bringing Evan back. You know, the flexibility of bringing Evan back, we have some options. Uh, right now, JR, uh, because he's out of the building, you know, where those guys are out of the building, and he's training in Pensacola, so not really sure exactly where he stands, but. Our philosophy hasn't ever changed. We're, we're going to get the best five guys on the field. We just don't know who they are right now. But uh, Caleb will be in the mix. Do you envision Allie moving back to right guard? Or will he play left I think Allie's going to play left guard. Left guard. We're going to play Allie uh, next to Donovan. So, I, listen, I thought it was interesting what they said about the offensive line. We knew that Ali Marpet was going to move to guard. It turns out they're going to move him uh, to left guard. And he had played right guard before he moved to center. So this is a new position for him. They don't think that's going to be a problem for Allie in terms of technique or anything like that. Um, now what that does is it opens a position at guard because J.R. Sweezy's not ready to even participate in OTAs. And personally, if you're asking me, I, I don't know that Sweezy's going to have a place on this team. I think you know, this is one of those situations where they wait for him to get healthy so that they you know technically don't owe him his salary, quite frankly. And when he does, maybe there's a chance he makes the team, but more than likely he gets released. Um, and, and the surprise thing about... Caleb Beninock, who you might remember, you know, he he sort of took over for DeMar Dotson when Dotson got hurt at right tackle. He's been more of a tackle than a guard. They think he could be their starter at right guard. And I suppose he could be. Um, you know, they've got other guys that could play it, like Evan Smith that they resigned. But if they're looking at Caleb Beninock, I'm not sure how much I buy this because, first of all, he's automatically a swing guy because if something happened to Dotson, he's your best option at right tackle right now. But it almost is too convenient to keep saying, we love Kalen Benonok at the guard. We're good there. We don't have a problem. He's our answer. It's because I think who's going to be staring at them is Notre Dame's Quentin Nelson. If you assume that four quarterbacks go before the Bucks pick at seven, you're going to have one of three players that the Bucks are going to have an ability to pick, and they're all really good players. I mean, you're talking about Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State or Bradley Chubb, the defensive end from North Carolina State, I think those guys probably more than likely to go ahead of number seven, which leaves you with Quentin Nelson. And if Quentin Nelson is a guard, he would be an absolute great addition to your offensive line. But maybe what the Bucks are trying to do, and I'm just speculating here, but it makes sense, is you know say, we're okay there, we're good at guard, we like Beninok, so that a team like, say, Chicago doesn't decide to trade up ahead of them and get Nelson feeling that, that was their Bucks guy all along. So it's not a bad strategy if that's, in fact, what they're doing to say, we feel pretty good about our offensive line now. 
because I, I have to believe that they're very interested in Quentin Nelson. He could play 10 seasons uh, at guard. He's probably one of the better players overall in the draft. So it uh, might be a bit of a smoke screen. I mean, certainly Ben and I can help them at other positions, but Quentin Nelson might be the guy they really want. Now, one position that the Bucks weren't able to address in free agency was the running back position, and Dirk Cutter revealed that they, in fact, had some interest in at least one running back that was a free agent. But as we know, whether you're talking about Jarek McKinnon or Deion Lewis, those guys actually got paid an awful lot of money by some other teams. So the Bucks did not add a running back through free agency. They're sitting here basically with Peyton Barber as their starter. They have Jacquez Rogers, who would essentially at this point be their third down back. So with only two running backs on the roster, they have to look elsewhere, and that elsewhere is the NFL draft. Now, fortunately for the Bucks, in talking to Dirk Cutter, the draft is very deep at the running back position, but it's no secret that they're going to have to look and replace some of the guys they lost, including Doug Martin, and so the draft will be the avenue that they take for the running backs. Things are different all the time. This year, all of a sudden, running backs got value. The free agent running backs that came out this year, all of a sudden there was a there was a big market, and the price you know we were in on, we were in on uh, at least one, and the, the price just skyrocketed. And you know we have a lot of other guys that we want to sign, and you know Jason and Mike Greenberg have to balance all that stuff out. Uh, the good news is. And it's, it's well publicized. I think it's a, a very strong running back class in the draft. Another area that's really deep in the draft is the cornerback position. That's something that Dirk Cutter said he spent a lot of time looking at the various corners that are going to be in this NFL draft. Now, they get Brent Grimes back, and that was a key signing for them. So they figured if they had Brent Grimes, Vernon Hargraves, who spent a lot of time missing games because of a hamstring injury, he didn't play very well, but he is returning. And, you know, Dirk Cutter – actually said that they think that Hargraves was very good playing inside, playing sort of the slot nickel position, even though that's not why you draft the guy in the first round. So Cutter had some interesting insights about Hargraves and about how he thinks he can bounce back from what was a very miserable season. We said at the end of the year, the number one thing we had to do was get Brent Grimes back, and we did that. So, And then also Vernon Hargraves finished the year on IR. So when you have uh, – those two guys coming back, plus the experience that, that Ryan Smith got, uh, that, and then Justin Evans coming back for his second year at safety. So then with all that said, again, now that the defensive line has had so many additions, I would think uh, secondary, it's logical to think that that would be a place uh, that would be an area of target in the draft. And again, I think it's a strong group. Uh, in the secondary in this year's draft class. I, I know I've watched a bunch of guys, and there's a lot of guys I like. The Bucks are sort of loaded at wide receiver right now, and with Chris Godwin and the performance that he put up there last year, that certainly gives them a lot of confidence. they got Adam Humphreys back. Of course, they redid the deal with Mike Evans. The guy who wasn't as productive as they needed to be last year, of course, was Deshaun Jackson. He was their big free agent signing, had just 50 catches. And Dirk Cutter said something interesting. He went back and had a reel put together of all the routes – that Deshaun Jackson actually won getting behind the defense. And he said it was substantial that there was a number of times that they simply didn't get him the ball. So what is it that they have to do this year to try to get Deshaun Jackson more involved? Deshaun, we did not get the production out of Deshaun. And when I say the production out of Deshaun, when you go back and look at the tape, we we have a tape of just plays where – we didn't hit Deshaun. You know, we didn't. Deshaun was where he was supposed to be. He was either, you know, behind the defense, in between the 
in between the corner and the safety, and he was in position to make explosive plays, and we didn't get the ball to him. So that's uh, on myself. It's on Jameis to do to do better. I think uh, I think Deshaun and Jameis have both said that uh, you know they need to spend more time uh, working together, and I think uh, I think they're addressing that with. When Jameis got cleared to throw this here in this offseason, I think they've uh, started working on that. Uh, but that is definitely something that when, when we get back, our, our chance to take control of that as coaches, that's something that we'll be working on. A big topic of conversation, of course, lately and certainly at these owners' meetings for Dirk Cutter, for Jason Light. And in just a minute, I'll play a part of my interview with co-chairman Joel Glazer is the fact that their quarterback, Jameis Winston, is under investigation by the NFL. This thing is now getting ready to lapse into its sixth month since it was announced that you know there were allegations by an, an anonymous female Uber driver in Arizona in Scottsdale going back to 2016 where she said that she was groped by Jameis Winston. The league opens its investigation. To my knowledge, they have not interviewed Winston as of yet. And so now we're going into its sixth month. You've got off-season workouts starting in April. Pretty soon they'll be you know, doing OTAs and training camps. So this is becoming kind of a concern for the Bucks, simply not knowing whether Winston is going to face some kind of suspension or not as they start to head towards the 2018 season. So we talked to Dirk Cutter and asked him, are you frustrated by sort of the way this thing has dragged on? It, it is a little frustrating, but I really don't think about that a whole lot because, one, we have no control over it. And two, I'm not involved in it. I mean, I, I have—I really don't know where that's at. I don't have any knowledge of any of that. And it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, we don't have control over. So we, you know, we have to move ahead. Uh, I think it was important that we that we signed Ryan Fitzpatrick back. That's another guy that we signed back that we haven't talked about. And, and we have Ryan Griffin coming back healthy. So, uh, you know, I'm very, very hopeful that we will miss any time with Jameis, but right now we don't, we don't have any control of that. Maybe the best thing all year, every year of these NFL owners meetings is the one time I get to sit down with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer to kind of get a state of the Bucks. And this year there was an awful lot on his mind. And of course, when you think about how they had to make a decision about whether Dirk Cutter and Jason Light were returning, the flirtations with John Gruden and whether how much of that was real or imagined. Just uh, everything that happened in the last season, what was responsible for the Bucks collapse was hard knocks part of that deal. I'm going to have my exclusive interview with Bucks Colt chairman Joel Glazer. That will be aired on Monday. You want to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so it will automatically download to you because you don't want to miss Joel Glazer. That's a 10-minute interview one-on-one with the Bucks co-chairman. But in the meantime, I'll play you just a little bit Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Of uh, a snippet from it that was fairly significant because, again, as you just heard from Dirk Cutter and his frustrations, I think that certainly Joel is frustrated too. 
Um, but the key is this, you know, Jameis Winston has denied those allegations and the Bucks, you know, sort of stuck their necks out. We know what happened at Florida State. He had an allegation there. Uh, it never amounted to any criminal charges. He did have a civil, civil settlement uh, with a woman in Zephyr Hills about that. Uh, but the Bucks felt like, you know, they were fine with him being the fra- face of their franchise. And, and the thing now with his second allegation coming up, I was wondering, even though Jameis had denied it, I asked Joel Glazer if he believed Jameis Winston. The NFL, they do things at their own pace. They got their own processes that they follow. And we let them do it. And, uh, you know, clearly everyone liked this to be resolved once and for all quicker. But I have great confidence that they will, you know, get this resolved and uh, go, through, you know, finish up what they got to finish up and then we move forward. He's denied the allegations, Joel. Do, do, do you believe him? Yeah. Jameis has been nothing but a uh, great person since he's been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's done everything we've asked of him. He's been a great leader. He's been unbelievable in the community. And, uh, you know, we, we have great confidence in Jason, uh, James. And uh, so we're, we, we focus on what the great things James has done. So let me say this about James. Um, you know, I'm sensing from the Bucks that they think this is going to be over sooner than later. And what I mean by that is, and, you know, they try to, to try to monitor these things as best they can. The league doesn't really give them much information or any information about where they're at. But uh, I think in, in short order that they're, they're probably going to interview Jameis here in the next month or so. And we've seen these things drag on into the summer. Uh, but this one seems like it, it might be coming to a faster close. And if everything checks out and, and there's, no, there's no punishment, then they're fine. But what they don't want is what's happened in the past to the Dallas Cowboys and to some extent, even though he appealed the decision and made it longer, uh, Tom Brady – and that is you get closer to training camp and you find out you're not going to have Winston. So there's frustration. They want it over. I think, I think overall, if I sense the Bucks are confident that Jameis is actually going to come out of this okay, that there won't be a suspension, that you know, you know, his story will check out or um, there will be some you know, mitigating circumstances that, that will uh, somehow exonerate him. Uh, and if that's what happens, that's fine. I mean, they, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have Ryan Griffin. They're prepared to start the season with another quarterback if they have to. But, you know, you want this cloud away from you as an organization. You certainly don't want your quarterback being distracted by having this hang over his head. And I think the frustration is just that, that, you know, now they're going to come in the building on April 17th. You want everything to be, you know, guns blazing, headed towards, you know, the OTAs and then, you know, take a little break and then training camp. But the longer this drags on to the summertime, it's the same thing we saw with the Cowboys and the Patriots. They really get annoyed. So interesting comments by Joel Glazer that that he is, you know, behind Jameis Winston. I think it'd be surprising if he wasn't. I mean, they again, they did actually, you know, stick their necks out a bit to draft this guy. And I know they, they genuinely have great love for Jameis Winston. They really feel like he's been a good leader in everything that they want in a quarterback. So uh, just you know, fascinating talking, and make sure as well the, the Joel Glazer interview. He talked about a lot of topics, as we mentioned. So we're going to play that Monday in its entirety. So you want to make sure that you sign up for the podcast. We'll download for you automatically. But it's about a ten or eleven minute interview that I had with Joel Glazer at the NFL owners meetings on Tuesday. Okay, so the NFL owners meetings wrapped up, and they had the general assembly, and they voted on uh, really essentially two proposals. I mean, the first one is they voted for the modification of the catch rule and they've sort of redefined 
what a catch is going to be, and it's not going to be surviving the ground like we uh, we become accustomed to with the replay and um, just just how confusing that made everything. Basically, we talked about this a little bit the other night. It's pretty simple. Does the receiver? It's a three-step thing. Does the receiver have possession of the football? Okay. Does he catch the football? Does he come down inbounds with two feet? You know, you need two feet in the NFL. If he gets two feet down inbounds, or one body part, because one body part equals two feet, elbow, knee, that kind of thing, inbounds. Okay, so those two things, possession, uh, two feet down or body part inbounds. And then the, the final thing is does, and this is where it gets subjective, do you make a football move? What they're, what they're saying is a football move. Well, automatic football move would be considered a third step. If you take a third step, you're good. You know, so you got the ball, two, two feet down inbounds, take a third step. That's a football move. Or if you extend the ball, uh, like we've seen with Jesse James in, in the Pittsburgh Steelers, the act of extending the ball is a football move. Or uh, also securing the football, pulling it back towards your body is a football move. Beyond that, there's any number of things that could also be considered a football move. They're just not as easily defined, and I think that's where you're going to get some more of the replay issues. Uh, but it does seem more simple. I mean, the referees were involved and sort of rewriting this, and, and basically they said, look, in real time, we can look at this and determine what a catch is. There might be some causes for review, but for the most part, all these plays that were ruled incomplete, you know, the Des Bryant catches and Jesse James and those kind of things, those would all be completed passes, and they were ruled completed passes uh, initially until replay overturned them. So I, I think that that's made things a little more simple, and we'll see how it goes uh, from here. The other thing they did was decided to actually, you know, use a replay official to determine if a player needs to be ejected. I would call this the Mike Evans rule. And this in his film, in fact, was one of the ones they used to sort of determine how replay and an official might assist the officials on the field for doing this. If you remember, you know, Jameis Winston, uh, you know, was out of the game against New Orleans. He got into it with Marshawn Lattimore, the defensive back, was poking him in the back of the helmet. You know, Mike Evans came to his rescue, essentially barreled across the field and blindsided Lattimore from behind, sort of a, a sucker punch, if you will, in, in a sense. And, you know, the flags flew, and, and, you know, it turned out that it was so egregious that Mike Evans was suspended the next game. He got a one-game suspension for that very act. But he wasn't ever ejected from the game, and that's the sort of thing – not football related, not a guy trying to like targeting or trying to tackle a guy with his helmet, but something away from the actual playing of the game uh, that's so egregious that, you know, maybe the referees missed it on the field, but somebody upstairs can take a look at that act in the replay and then buzz down and say, you know, Mike Evans is ejected from the game. So they're going to try that. We'll see, uh, we'll see how many ejections that leads to, but they felt like there were a number of plays uh, where players probably should have been uh, ejected in the case of Evans, he was suspended the next week. So, Steve, your Tampa Bay Rays have to get down to the 25-man roster, and I guess that they're getting closer now. Well, first, let's start with what the hell got into Jake Faria? I thought this guy was the struggling starter when they uh, began spring training, and I heard that he went out there against the Detroit or some Tigers and threw six scoreless innings in his final spring training debut. Not just six scoreless, six no-hit innings. No-hit innings. That's correct. Wow. As they, so he's, they he's, unveiled the new trop in the new field, or the the new uh, turf at the trop and the new foods at the trop, Jake Faria was on fire. 
Greatest need, greatest name ever. I, I, I don't know who came up with this, and I hope he gets residuals. But um, one of the new uh, food stops in the trop is called the Rocco Ball Deli. Get it? Ball Deli. And he, should be getting royalties. he should be getting royalties. I mean, if he doesn't have a deli, like if Ro- I don't know if Rocco's involved, you know, cares about having a side business or, um, you know, he wants to be in the food industry necessarily. But the naming rights alone, he should sell to somebody. If he's not getting royalties, he should go out and start his own string of delis and just let him use his name. You know, Rocco's Bald, uh, Rocco Bald Deli. It's phenomenal. And uh, so that'll be in the trap. So that's pretty cool. And then, I, th- so what is the deal with the turf now? They didn't like the way it looked. Was that, is this an aesthetic thing? Mostly aesthetic, I believe. And then the uh, Danny Echevarria said it plays about the same. Uh, they, they didn't like kind of the lip between the uh, the dirt and the grass as far as the infield cutout goes, but that's adjustable. But it's more about the looks. It's a little darker green. As Kevin Cash's comment was, it's green. <laughs> when it's green about the turf. and it's not grass. The green, green grass at home used to be a song uh, about that. So, but but now we're also down. Are they down to the twenty-five man roster now? They they they've got to get there. Are they down there yet? So they're down to twenty-seven players on the on the twenty-five man roster as of now. They have to have the roster set eleven thirty on Thursday morning. Today okay. they sent down Brendan Snyder and Johnny Field, who were battling for that last outfield, that fifth outfielder spot. They sent both mm-hmm. of them down after the game. They trade for Rob Ref Snyder from the Indians, and he's going to make the roster as the twenty-fifth man. They sent Kirk Casale down today too. That was expected after he caught the game today. So they still have 27 players on the roster. Um, once they cut Daniel Hudson, it'll be down to 26. And then Jose DeLeon is going to be put on the 60-day DL, disabled list with his Tommy John surgery. So that gets him down to the 25-man roster. So the roster is essentially set. Yep, they got it. That's it. And, and it all starts at, uh, I guess, on, on Thursday, opening day against the Boston Red Sox. I saw where the Cubs were playing down there in Fort Myers. They must uh, they, must they start in Miami. Sleeping. They start in Miami, That's so they play two yeah. games in Boston, or at Fort Myers against Boston before they go over to Miami yeah. to start on Thursday. Yeah, that's kind of cool. If you're a Cubs fan, you get to go down there and see them. And then the Red Sox head north to Tampa, and baseball is here finally, uh, the 2018 season. It's going to be interesting, man. I'll tell you what, they got some pretty tough games right off the bat. I mean, you're, you're playing – what the Red Sox uh, and then the Yankees is that yeah, right? Their, their schedule's back? loaded in April, and and you know, yeah. everyone's predicting the Red Sox and Yankees are going to battle for the division this year. If the Rays can hold their own through April, it's going to be a big start because they're going to play a lot of those teams early. Uh, stay around five hundred. That's that's certainly the key. Okay, so Steve, uh, a, a pretty good outcome for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Boston Bruins they lose in overtime in a shootout to the Winnipeg Jets five to four. So now that means that game on Thursday in Boston will now definitely be for first place, right? That's correct. Boston now at one point back of the Lightning. They do have a game in hand, but the Lightning remain in first place. Had Boston won tonight, they would have been in first place. What's the deal now? They got some guys on the shelf. I mean, so what's the deal with Ryan Callahan? Is is, is Stamkos going to be okay? Is everybody going to be full go? Uh, They expect Stamkos back Thursday. Victor Hedman took a body maintenance day today, didn't practice, uh, but he's expected to be fine. Ryan Callahan today did say that he expects to play before the regular season ends, before the playoffs start. Um, So they've got six games left starting Thursday in Boston. Would anticipate Ryan Callahan maybe back next middle next week for the last two or three games before the season ends. Here's another programming alert for Sports Day Tampa Bay. You're a Tom Jones fan, and who isn't, right? We're going to talk to Tom who? Jones next week. Who? I know. Right, that guy. You know, that guy. Uh, we're going to talk to Tom next week about the NHL playoffs and about the Lightning and their chances. So, yeah, Rick and Tom and Steve will be back together again on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I saw a stat tonight from Paul Driscoll. 
everyone worried about the Lightning the way they're ending the season. Uh, the 0304 Tampa Bay Lightning finished the regular season. The last 12 games, they finished 6-6, six and six, and they went on to win the Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning have six games remaining. So in the last six before this, they're 3-3 three and three with six games to go. So see how they finished their last 12. But the 0304 team only finished 6-6 six and six in their last 12 games and won the Cup. So Don't they always say it's a new season? It really is. I mean, you'd like to have momentum going in, but at the end of the day, the hockey playoffs are the most up in the air, throw darts at the at the bracket to figure out who you're going to pick. It, it's the most wild playoffs there is. That's why many athletes love watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Your momentum is your goaltender and how he plays, and that's that can change day to day. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, a goalie stands on his head, good luck. Yeah, you don't want to run into the hot goalie, that's for sure. Well, hopefully for the Lightning that'll be – Andre Vasilevsky, so we'll see how they do. But, yeah, Thursday night, man, I will be in front of a television set. What a day. You got the Rays opening day in baseball, and just about the time they finish, boom, you get to watch the Lightning and the Boston Bruins. It should be a good day. Hopefully the Lightning are still in first place after that game. (laughs) Well, maybe the Rays will be in first place too. You never know. There you go. I would love it. Hey, you beat Boston, you're definitely up a game on one of the favorites. So, No doubt. Hey, we're glad that you're able to join us. We want you to make this a habit. Do it each and every day, Monday through Friday. Sports Day Tampa Bay, you can get it uh, pretty much everywhere. And you want to contact us, uh, make sure you go on Twitter. You can reach us at Sports Day TB. That's at Sports Day TB. Or always, you can interact with me at NFL Stroud on Twitter. I'm also online at rstroud at tampabay.com. And we always, always want you to rate and review this podcast. So where would they do that? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or, of course, TampaBay.com slash sports always has the latest episodes. You can rate, review, download it right there. And make sure you make your plans to listen to the entire interview for Joel Glazer on Monday. And if you go ahead and sign up, you'll have that downloaded for you on Monday morning. Good interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. Hey, we thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, for Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.